Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hey everyone, like I said, my name is Tracy Rubin. I am currently a director of HR at a global fashion company. To give you a little bit of background on myself, I have always worked in retail my entire life. Just when you think you're going to get out of it, it sucks you back in. And honestly, I can't complain. I have been in HR since I started my professional career for the most part. I had about six to eight months of a different uh, field. It was really like a customer service role. And I quickly found that HR was a very serious passion of mine among many other passions. And as you get to know me, I think you'll learn that there are so many things that I like. There are also so many things that I don't like. We'll get into it. HR has taken me for a whirlwind of a ride. I started out my career really as an HR manager in a big box company, which we can talk about later on. And I continued my journey three years, four years later, where I now am with a global fashion company. And I started as an HR business partner. I was overseeing US and Canada field operations. So for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, field operations in a retail company is really referring to all of the stores and all of the people that make the stores happen. I then was promoted to HR manager, overseeing a region, and now I'm the director of HR. I am so thrilled to be starting my own podcast. It's something that I have dreamed about and procrastinated about at the same time for years at this point. I have terrible imposter syndrome. And finally, COVID happened and I was like, wow, I need to start living out my dreams and not worrying so much about everyone else's opinions and sharing all of the opinions that I have. This leads me to my next point, which is really just a disclaimer that all of the views, opinions, and thoughts that I share on this episode and future episodes are truly a reflection of my own opinions, views, and thoughts, and not that of my employers. So let's jump right into it. This week, I want to talk about destigmatizing HR. HR gets a bad rep. People in HR, departments, everything about HR is stigmatized. And I am on a mission to destigmatize it. Whether it's this year, last year, for the rest of my career, this is my mission in life to destigmatize HR. Mostly before the podcast, I thought I would be doing that through my own career and establishing really wonderful relationships and having an impact on my employees and my peers and my partners. But now that I have a podcast, I hope that I can reach a few more people. I want to share a story. Um, It really comes from my scrolling endlessly on social media platforms. And yes, I saw the social dilemma. And yes, it was very compelling. And yes, I still have social media. Nevertheless, I went to LinkedIn to scroll as I always do and react to some employees posts. We're very fortunate to have very participatory employees on the LinkedIn sphere. And as I was scrolling, I saw a post from someone that I went to high school with. Hansel Rodriguez, this is a shout out to you. 
You gave me my first ever content for this podcast, and I am truly indebted to you. Hansel and I went to high school together. He graduated with my younger sister, and he is the principal at Core Communities. And he posted just last week, if I've learned anything in the last 12 months, it's that the work of human resources is easily the most overlooked aspect of any business. And oh my gosh, I was like, this is exactly true. And I also knew what I was going to see in the comments section. I actually went to the comments section to look for people writing stigmatized comments, polarizing comments about HR. And this is exactly what I got. I saw comments like, never really looked at HR like that. Meaning I didn't think HR could actually be an overlooked part of the business, which is really the foundation of what I'm looking to do with this podcast. I also saw comments like, that's because a lot of HR managers don't add value. And if I actually responded, and if I ever do respond, I might just link this podcast because I hope that people who share that same opinion, which I know there are so many, actually take the time to realize how invaluable HR is to a business. So Hansel, thank you. I couldn't agree more. HR is overlooked and HR st is stigmatized, which is why I want to destigmatize it. So where does the stigma come from? I don't know. I think that businesses for so long have focused on the bottom line and focused on how they get people to drive the bottom line that people like myself and my supervisor and my peers who really seek to provide valuable resources and support are seen as inauthentic. And actually, I've never worked with more authentic people in my life. And I hope that I can have some of my peers, one or more, um, on this podcast so we can talk about some of the things that we even encounter in our own careers. Ultimately, when we think of HR, there's a clear function to human resources in a business. And it's not just about making sure people are paid, making sure benefits eligible employees are benefits eligible. There's so much more to it. And I started my career as an HR manager, but really what I ended up realizing was my deepest passion was being a business partner. And in business partnerships, everything rides on your relationship. So when we think of destigmatizing HR, I think of it as how many people, how many professionals, whether it's retail or another industry, can I connect with so that I can destigmatize what it means to have an HR business partner or an HR director or an HR manager or an HR generalist, really anyone at any level. The role of an HR partner is to do exactly that, partner with a business or an organization. And so many businesses, just like Hansel said, overlook human resources as a function. There are a couple of reasons for this. It's not quantitatively measured or not everything is measurable from a return on investment perspective. HR sometimes costs more money for a business and actually the measurables or the deliverables are a little bit harder to quantify. Everything, a lot of what we do is qualitative. And for a business, most businesses, I realize that I'm generalizing here, most businesses look at what is X going to do for Y? How is this going to benefit me as a business owner, as a CEO, 
as a CFO. And sometimes HR doesn't fit into that classification. In recent years, in most of my career experience, I actually have seen HR be a celebrated part and function of a business. And that is truly why I think I've developed such a passion for it. But going back to the original point, HR doesn't have those measurables that tell someone, let's invest. HR is kind of like an investment that you don't see for 25 years. So you think of your Roth or your 401k. Don't worry, I'm not going to pull too much finance on you. That is an investment that sure, you can see grow. It might go down when the stock market changes. There's a lot of fluctuation. But in the long run, you've invested and your interest can build on itself 7% each year. And that's kind of how I see the HR function. My guess is that HR is a bit more than a 7% investment. Maybe one day we'll quantify what the exact investment is. Nevertheless, that's one reason why I think HR gets overlooked. Another reason is that we are considered the fun police. And might I say, I have a problem with this because I am not the fun police. I am the fun. And I also recognize that I am not representative of the whole entire HR community. But I will say that I think this is exactly the stigma. People say, uh-oh, HR sent an email. Uh-oh, HR called. Uh-oh, HR is coming to the store, the business, the office, whatever, the hospital, whatever industry. That uh-oh, it's HR. I don't ever want to hear someone say, uh-oh, it's HR. I want people to say, HR is coming what can they help me with and how can I take advantage of this time with someone who is here to support me and support my business or my team? And I just need to burst my own bubble here because I have to do it all the time. Otherwise, I will constantly live in a sunshine, optimistic, positive place where nothing can go wrong. So to burst my own bubble... I have to remind myself that actually there are so many parts of a business that aren't so pretty that do result in the uh-oh HR phrase. And that's okay. Ultimately, I think the bottom line for destigmatizing HR is creating the balance between the positive side of HR as a partnership and functionality in a business and also recognizing that HR is a serious network of people. And it serves a serious role for a business. I recognize that people from every industry, hopefully, will listen to this podcast. And some might say, well, this isn't really applicable to me because HR is one person running an entire department. We outsource payroll and benefits. We have a consultant managing employee relations issues. And this person just oversees those functions. And that's totally fine. What it takes to destigmatize HR doesn't come from the HR person. It doesn't come from that person who's a consultant or the person overseeing the consultant or the 30-person human resources team or the five-person human resources team. It comes from the entire business. What I've seen in my current employer, and I just want to celebrate this point, human resources is seen as a function of the business that drives the bottom line and supports the drivers of the bottom line. So I'm going to break that down. When I say 
drives the bottom line. Our function inherently is seen, and I really believe this. Like I said, these are all my own opinions. They don't represent my employers. I really believe that my company values HR at the core. Not just because of the way our business model works, but because our values are people-centric. And so businesses have an opportunity there. What does people-centric mean? All the tech companies are using it. We're people-centric. We have meals and snacks in the break room, like at all times in the kitchen, cold brew on tap. People-centric is just another way of saying, we care about you and HR is fundamentally underlining the way we operate our business. Secondly, what I truly believe my employer does well is create a conversation around how our people, and specifically I'm in retail, so our field team, they generate the money for our business. They are the front lines of everything we do, whether it's before COVID or after or during. They are the ones generating and driving and maintaining the bottom line and HR is seen as a, as a critical element in further driving that. Not every company values HR at the core like that. I will argue, and I invite you to argue this point against or with me, that a company that puts HR and people at the center of every single thing they do, doesn't matter the industry, is going to be the business that remains progressive that keeps top talent at the forefront of their operations and remains a successful entity in the marketplace. People run businesses, small businesses, large businesses, Fortune 500s. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I started my career at a big box. I worked at Target. I was Target Tracy. I had a Target Tracy Twitter (laughs) I was really active on it. I'm kind of getting embarrassed even just talking about it, but I told myself this podcast was exactly what it's going to be, and that's going to be honest and transparent and free of judgment, at least in my own mind. It's fine. Target Tracy. And even at that level, 300 people in just one store, people were everything. You go into Target as a customer, You walk through the aisles. You tell yourself you're just getting a pack of gum. You lie to yourself. You end up with $150. How do you end up with $150 in your cart? You have potentially 300 employees working in the front of the scenes, on the stage, helping you, and behind the scenes. And let me tell you, it takes a village. These stories I can share at a later time. Target did it perfectly. Everything was team. Everything was celebrated. All the good stuff. Celebrated, rewarded, recognized, and everything had a structure around people. And I don't think I realized that until I left Target because there was so much that I loved about it that I borrowed and brought with me to my current company, which really focuses on doing the same thing. Um, and really being truly people-centric. So again, Target celebrated everything. For example, there was a best team card. So leaders on duty, for the the non-retail people, leaders on duty are basically the managers 
who run the show for their shift. And everyone, including the HR people like me, have LOD or leader on duty shifts. And during the leader on duty shifts, you were expected to write best team cards and deliver them, meaning like present them, hand them to the employee, recognizing them for something they did. Target, a Fortune 500 company, found time in their business to make people matter every second. At the time that I was at Target, the stock price was around $66 a share, I think. I promise I'm not going to get too financy, but I, I just have to mention that there's a clear delineation between people and profits. Right now, as of October 20th, 2020, the year that can't end soon enough, Target stock is $164.87 a share. I recognize that this could be related to a number of things, but I left Target, let's see, it's 2020, so I left Target about three years ago. All I needed to do there was think about the tenure that I have with my current company, but clearly couldn't figure that out. Three years ago, Target still always has been very stable business model, very stable company. It's always convinced people to go in for one thing and leave with 20. But ultimately, what I'm trying to get at here is that Target's business model is 100% focused on people. Naysayers will say that Target is like any other company that's only focused on profit. Of course, that's how companies stay alive and employ thousands of people a year. But they figured out that profit and people are connected. And so ultimately, all of this is to say that my firm belief is that the more people-centric the company, the better the HR function, the better the HR professionals. So clearly you have to have the right people in role to drive these profitable margins. Companies that put people first, get ahead first. They end up on top. And good for them because people are what drive a business. Getting back to the original point, the mission that I'm going to have branded across my face, destigmatizing HR. If even just one person listens to this podcast, would be great. But what I was really trying to say is if even one person, hopefully there will be many listening to this podcast, goes back and takes away something around valuing HR, valuing HR more, looking at the business and prioritizing the people, then I have taken one step toward destigmatizing HR. So I encourage everyone, or if this is just my mom or my sister listening, go back, share this podcast and start a discussion. We had to talk about how we can value people more. Because if we don't value HR, we might as well say we don't value the people that HR supports. And we're included in all of that. I'm an HR professional, but I'm still an employee. So if the functions that I bring to a company don't benefit an employee, guess what? They don't benefit me either. There is a clear symbiotic relationship to having strong HR talent and driving a strong business. So I want to touch on another stigma that floats around HR. 
And this is really a credit to my grandmother and my fiance and to everyone who doesn't totally understand what I do, which I feel like can be a topic on its own. I don't just fire people. There's more to us than that. There's more to HR people than just firing. And my grandma always says, so what do you do? You fire people. And even though she doesn't sound like that, and maybe one day we'll have her on because I think that could be really fun. She was an educator and she has very specific opinions on so many things, kind of similar to me. She always says, what do you do? You fire people? And That is like 1% of what an HR function actually oversees. And even though I'm not so great at talking about what I do, because again, my fiance, my grandma, even my parents ask me this all the time. So like, what do you do? What do you spend your day on? And I really try to come up with an answer. And sometimes I go back to my job description and I'm like, okay, yeah, I do all these other things. HR is so much more than the firing department. We're not the fun police. We're not the firing department. Certainly, there are parts of our roles and our jobs that require us to take some of the fun away or to terminate people. Um, We hope that those terminations are based on decisions that those individuals are making and not based on company decisions. That's always, even though there isn't usually a best case scenario in a termination, you hope that It's a reflection of something that can be learned, um, of something that's consistently held to a certain standard. That is a separate topic for another time. But that is absolutely the third and probably most significant underlying stigma, at least from the outside looking in. Employees say that, "Uh uh-oh, HR is coming because they think Someone is getting fired. I have traveled to Canada, to California, to Florida. I've been very lucky to work for an employer that sees the value in HR being present in the organization and for me specifically in the field. Again, non-retail people, the field equals the money, basically. And when I when when it's shared that I am headed to one of these locations for Anything other than like a planned training or conference, for example, there's the question of Tracy's coming. Is everything okay? Even though I have wonderfully established relationships with employees and partners in the field. But ultimately, I think this comes from what my grandma asks. What do you do? You fire people? (sighs) I'm glad that's not the only function of my job. And I'm sure we'll get to this on another episode, but terminations are exhausting. They are impactful. And ultimately, like you're ending someone's employment, even if it's because of something that was in their control. One should always consider the impact on the individual. I have to be honest, I was about to go on a tangent there. I had to stop myself because I'm going to save it for another episode because I think it's clear that we can talk about terminations forever. But when I think about the impact on the individual, that is ultimately what we're driving home in this episode and forever. Bringing the human back to human resources. Anything dealing with people should be celebrated. It should be revered. It should be prioritized. 
And so how do we destigmatize HR and remind ourselves that that H stands for human? We're talking about people and their lives and their livelihood. I'm going to stop it there for today. As you can tell, I get very passionate. Um, I get very inspired. I also get heated. Nevertheless, I want to take the rest of the time to talk about a question that was asked of me. I won't share from whom, but this is a part of the podcast that I want to regularly add, and that is like an advice section. Um, I get questions a lot from my friends, my family members, their friends about just general like HR questions. And one of the questions that I got recently was around a situation where their manager didn't communicate to them that they would be taking on additional work in an outside function. So let's say, actually very specifically, their core function is related to the general public and they had an added function that's really a voluntary type of function added to their plate. So in digging in, I wanted to try and understand why this became an HR issue. And um, she said, well, you know, it was just, I just got an email about it and like now I'm doing this and what does that mean for my workload? And every question that you can imagine when someone has added workload when they don't have enough bandwidth, all of those questions come up. What happens to what I'm reviewed on? How is this going to impact my long-term goals and achievement? How, how is this okay? And she said, like, from an HR perspective, what should I do? And I said, well, I don't know. Is it an HR issue? And I said that because really when we think of an HR issue, that means HR is getting involved. But the situation here is that the employee and the manager have an issue. I think of a few things when I hear the term HR issue, and in this case, this is really more so a person looking for advice on how to address their manager. So if you're an HR professional in this moment, you would want to give some advice, maybe some tips. If you're an employee, keep in mind, HR is not always going to get involved. And you have to think as the employee, what is my objective? Do I want my HR professional to get involved? Am I looking for advice? In this moment, I think that the person who reached out to me was really looking for validation that they did the right thing. And what they did was they went to their manager, they gave them feedback, and those are all of the right first steps, in my opinion. Once you get HR involved, you can't really go back. I mean, HR can make a situation bigger, potentially, than what it actually is. And so if you're an employee, I encourage you to consider what is my objective. And if you're an HR professional, Think about sharing that. What is your objective? What is it that you are looking to gain out of my involvement? Or do do you just need advice? Like, should we role play what it is that you're looking to address or how you're looking to address it? I find that role playing is often extremely helpful, especially in a situation like this. One of the ways in which this kind of relates back to the destigmatizing of HR is that HR often is seen as the department that handles complaints and the department that neutralizes situations. Certainly two major functions of the HR capacity. However, not the complaint department, we're the solutions department, as I like to say. 
So be solutions oriented, which this person really was. She was like, I reached out to my manager already. I spoke with him about how this made me feel. And I also sought additional information and reiterated that I'm a team player. Couldn't have said it better myself to the person who I'm referring to. Great job. You handled it beautifully. The other part of the destigmatizing of HR that I mentioned before is that we are seen as this only middle ground. And that's somewhat true. We always will maintain neutrality and objectivity and all of those things. But HR is entitled to take a stance too, whether it's with the business or we should say the manager. And we have to also support the person, the individual. So naturally we're going to be in this mediating type of role, but it's not HR's job to say, okay, let's talk about it together. It's not necessary. You as the employee go to your manager and you work it out. And the best HR partners, in my opinion, are the ones who create and elevate and establish the relationship, a strong relationship between a manager and an employee. So if I were this person's HR partner, I would not get involved in the sense that I wouldn't be the mediating person unless that's what the employee and the manager are requesting. Otherwise, it can dilute the relationship between the manager and the employee. And I think one of the most important things to do as an HR professional is strengthen or establish, if it's not already established, the relationship between a manager and employee. And understanding where our support is best served is the key, I think, to destigmatizing the relationship in action versus in speech, like I'm doing this entire 30 minutes. And finally, we'll work toward creating a people-centric business organization that is less focused on, uh-oh, HR's coming, and more focused on how can we support our people? How can we make this a people-centric place? How can our values represent and support the people that represent and support us. Thank you so, so much for listening to the first ever Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast episode. Very first episode, very first ever podcast. More to come. If you're interested in asking for advice, hearing a specific topic on a future podcast, or just connecting with me, then follow me on Instagram at hrtracy. That's H-R-T-R-A-C-I. I'd love to hear from you. Also, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. It is election day, so if you are waiting in line to vote while listening to this podcast, thank you for not only listening to the podcast, but also for voting. If you're thinking twice about voting, let this speak to you. Please get out and vote today. I will be releasing episodes every Tuesday, so I'll see you next week.